0: America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is The Michael Medved Show.
1: And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth, a great day with great allies. Yeah, we're part of NATO and two other countries want to be part of NATO. Their leaders from uh, both Finland and Sweden met with President Biden today. How did that go? And what about the idea of uh, admitting Finland and Sweden and throwing out Turkey? Uh, Joe Lieberman, former United States Senator, uh, strong supporter of NATO, says the time has come to uh, get rid of Turkey's participation in the NATO alliance. Does that make any sense? We will talk about that and more with uh, Elizabeth brau of the American Enterprise Institute. She uh, is uh, Swedish originally and she is an expert on Scandinavian politics and what that means in terms of ultimately prevailing in this war with uh, Vladimir Putin. And, yes, it's a war with Vladimir Putin, not so much with the Russian people or even the Russian state, whatever that is, however you define it. But there was a big vote in the Senate that had good news. The Senate approved uh, almost unanimously a a bill. The the final vote was 86 to 11 in the Senate. That's pretty one sided. This is a... um, uh, bill to provide $40 billion of new military and economic aid for Ukraine. Will that do the trick? Can that help to further a turn in the tide that many have perceived already? And what about the 11 US senators who voted no on this proposal? Uh, Rand Paul, you know about. Who were the others? We will get to that and why they voted the way they did. And also, we're still recovering from primaries. There's the most advertised, most celebrated primary of yesterday. It ended up being a two-way primary fight, not a three-way primary fight. Kathy Barnett, one of the candidates on the Republican side for senator from Pennsylvania, had sort of flared out uh, in the very last stages of the campaign. At one point, this had been a three-way tie. Well, now it's about a two-way tie, almost surely... To, uh, to draw a recount. That's automatic under Pennsylvania law. Who is likely to uh, prevail in this recount? What does it mean for the future of the control of the Senate? Because the control of the Senate, whatever happens in the House where the Republicans enjoy every advantage, uh, the Senate is going to be much tougher and more complicated, and if there is a loss of this Republican seat in Pennsylvania, the seat that has been held, it's held right now by the great Senator Pat Toomey who is universally liked and respected by his colleagues, Republicans, and yes, Democrats. So what happens now in this race with uh, the Democratic nominee, and yes, he won John Fetterman, the Lieutenant Governor, the uh, governor who's become famous for his campaigning in gym shorts and hoodies. Does this uh, mean that he is truly a man of the people, just an ordinary guy? Hey, he does have a a Harvard education. And so the ordinary guy stuff, a little bit forced on the part of John Fetterman, but we will get to that issue as well. And to the uh, question about an unexpectedly competitive race, as everybody is pointing out, in Oregon this time, a, uh, a, a very capable young Republican challenger has uh, won the uh, GOP nomination. And because of a third party campaign by a former Democrat, there is, for the first time in a very long time, the chance for an actual Republican victory on a statewide level in the northwest uh one 800 is our phone number uh the um president today met uh with um finland and sweden and uh he was also celebrating the senate vote that i mentioned to you the senate vote which was 86 to 11. uh i should mention that the only uh members of the Senate who actually voted against providing the 38.9 billion dollars or pardon this 39.8 billion dollars to to Ukraine in this moment of dire need the only people who voted no on this funding uh, were were all Republicans Uh, and they were Marsha Blackburn Republican of Tennessee Uh, John Bozeman, uh, Republican of Arkansas. Uh, Mike Braun, Republican of Indiana. Mike Crapo, Republican of Idaho. Bill Haggerty, Republican of Tennessee. Josh Hawley, Republican of Missouri. Uh, Mike Lee, Republican of Utah. Cynthia Lummis, she was the one who got booed for the the outrageous statement that uh, humanity was divided into two sexes. She got booed at University of Washington for that and Roger Marshall, Republican of Kansas, and Tommy Tuberville, Republican of Alabama. What's interesting about that is that a number of the Republicans who are running for president, I mean, uh, for instance, Josh Hawley voted no on this. Uh, Ted Cruz voted a uh, a big yes. And... uh, And uh, uh, Tom Cotton of uh, Arkansas, the other Arkansas senator, not John Bozeman, uh, Tom Cotton voted yes. Does this indicate an identification of these 11 Republicans with uh, the more isolationist wing of the party? Some people call it the America First wing of the party. I it, it seems to me that the uh, claim that um, we we have to vote no on providing desperately needed financial aid to the Ukrainians in their gallant struggle, that uh, voting no on that by saying that, well, we we can't provide them this money when we can't even provide baby food. We can't even provide formula for citizens of the United States, the, the notion that uh, that that's what this is about Mitch McConnell was very strong on this issue actually the other day and I'm I'm actually very grateful that he is putting forward the arguments in the name of the Republican Party as he put it this is not a uh, giveaway this is not some kind of charity that we're handing to Ukraine this is investing in the national interest they are fighting a war not only for themselves but for us and uh uh, joe biden recognizes that when other people want to take our side against the uh, danger of a newly aggressive and irresponsible and uh, war criminal uh, russia that uh, we should work we need to work with our allies we'll get to the president's meeting uh, earlier today, with the uh, leaders of both uh, Finland and Sweden. And actually, it's inspiring when you think about how long these two countries refused during the Cold War to take the side of the United States and the West. And what it indicates is that, in terms of worldwide credibility or sympathy of any kind for the Russians, uh, this Russian regime has even less support around the world than the old communist Russian regime before the collapse of the wall, before the collapse of the Soviet Union. At least that old communist regime had sometimes frequent support from India and uh, and then many of the so-called non-aligned nations. And remember, it had nine or ten different nations that were part of the Warsaw Pact that were nations like Poland and Czechoslovakia and Hungary that were all occupied by Russian troops and voting Russia's way at the UN and elsewhere so what about this new development and getting rid of a member of NATO we'll get to that and more coming up on The Medved Show the
2: most powerful constant force in
3: you
1: On the uh, Michael Medved show, President Biden, as mentioned, uh, met today with leaders of Finland and Sweden and uh, actually praised those countries for already working closely with the United States on a number of issues. Here was the uh, President of the United States this morning, clip nine.
2: Sweden and Finland, already among our closest partners on a range of issues, from strengthening peace and stability to advancing human rights, to taking on the climate crisis and addressing food insecurity, from strengthening the global health to promoting development. Finnish and Swedish troops Finnish and Swedish troops have already served shoulder to shoulder with U.S. and NATO forces in Kosovo, in Afghanistan and in Iraq. And both Finland and Sweden are already working in coordination with the United States and our other allies and partners to support the brave people of Ukraine as they defend their freedom against Russia's invasion.
1: Okay, and uh, Sweden in particular has uh, a fairly substantial arms producing industry. They always have. And I mean, when I say always (laughs) going back several centuries, but uh, the. Uh, ability to pass on Swedish military aid in terms of equipment, plus the formidable Navy that they field in the Baltic, this could be very important. And uh, here was President Biden speaking basically about the need to overcome the objections or hesitations, the delay that was foisted on admitting these two to NATO, Sweden and Finland, uh, based upon Turkey. And uh, the... Excuse for Turkey was that they consider a uh, a Kurdish nationalist organization, the PKK, to be a terrorist group. Uh, and in parts of Turkey where there's substantial Kurdish population, they've been very much at uh, an off and on, again and off again, war against these Kurdish elements, and they. Uh, they are insisting that if Sweden and Finland are to come into NATO, they as a NATO member have a right to block their accession uh, on the basis that they're not doing enough to suppress this uh, Kurdish group that the the Turks consider to be terrorists. But President Biden spoke right around that basically saying that it is his opinion as the leader of this alliance that uh, the two new Scandinavian partners uh, actually deserve uh, immediate entry into the alliance because they've met every qualification. This is clip 10. Sweden and Finland have strong
2: democratic institutions, strong militaries, and strong and transparent economies and a strong moral sense of what is right. They meet every NATO requirement, and then some. And having two new NATO members in the high north will enhance the security of our alliance and deepen our security cooperation across the board.
1: And uh, the National Security Advisor, Jake Sullivan, also spoke about Finland and Sweden and their push for NATO membership. Clip three. President Biden
3: has welcomed those applications, those applications. And he looks forward to working with NATO allies and with Congress on a swift accession process. This is a historic event, a watershed moment in European security. We're confident that at the end of the day, Finland and Sweden will have an effective and efficient accession process, that Turkey's concerns can be addressed. Finland and Sweden are working directly with Turkey to do this, but we're also talking to the Turks to try to help facilitate. I spoke with my counterpart today. Secretary Blinken is meeting with his counterpart, perhaps as we speak uh, in New York, uh, and we feel very good about where this will track to. The great thing about the free world, um, about the Western Alliance, about NATO, is that um, you've got a raucous collection of states that all have opinions, um, that all have perspectives, that all have interests, but they also know how to and when to pull together and how to settle any differences, and I expect these differences will be settled. I expect that NATO will speak with one voice in support of Finland and Sweden at the end of the day.
1: Okay, let us hope that he is correct. I mean, part of the uh, story here is that uh, Erdogan in Turkey is uh, facing uh, unrest at home, and unrest based upon economic factors. Turkey has been hurt by the coronavirus like every place else, but they've been particularly hurt by a lack of confidence in uh, Erdogan and his one-man rule. Now, as a result of that, what's also striking is Turkey had been viewed as a regional rival of Saudi Arabia, and because they are the among the two largest, most powerful uh, Arab uh, Muslim Sunni states, uh, states. And right now, the direction in the Middle East has been very much in that direction, the Saudi direction, the direction of the United Arab Emirates. They just had an election in Lebanon where Iran's ally, Hezbollah, lost their control of the government in Lebanon. You may say, well, what difference does that make? Well, when you're talking about a part of the world that is so unstable about uh, Lebanon coming out of Uh, that horrific explosion that killed hundreds of people, and then a a civil war a couple of decades ago where 250,000 civilians died. I mean, it's just extraordinary. And now with uh, Turkey wanting to be more identified with that part of the Middle East than uh, anywhere like Iran or to make its own course go forward, that could be uh, an encouraging development. That's why I don't take too seriously the statement by Joe Lieberman. He's joined in that, the former Senator from Connecticut, former Vice Presidential nominee, by um, uh, Mr. Wallace, who is uh, actually Mark D. Wallace, who was at one point a um, a U.S. Ambassador to the United Nations for management and reform during the administration of President Bush. They have a joint column that uh, says, does Turkey still belong in NATO? And they think not. This should raise the question of whether Turkey, under Mr. Erdogan's leadership, even belongs in the alliance. Uh, The idea that they are raising this right now, it seems to me, is uh, far more likely to be part of a pressure point that the Biden administration would want to make to get them to agree to uh, Finland and Sweden coming into the alliance and uh, preserving the alliance. Uh, Turkey actually has provided some help for Ukraine, particularly with Turkish drones, but that was, it turns out, a deal that was made between Ukraine and uh, a Turkish private company uh, before the war even started. Uh, we will be right back with Elizabeth Braugh of American Enterprise Institute on her sense of where the war is going so far and where the alliance is going coming up on the Medved show <laughs> medved show elizabeth braw is a senior fellow at the american enterprise institute where she focuses on defense against emerging national security challenges recently she has been a uh, also a columnist with foreign policy magazine where she writes on national security and the globalized economy and uh, she is a member of the united kingdom's national preparedness commission uh elizabeth thank you for joining us again and uh a fairly historic day no with the president of uh, finland and the prime minister of uh, sweden uh, joining the president today at the white house
0: yes uh, a day that i think uh almost no uh, swedes or Finns would have thought would ever happen they've had the opportunity these two countries have had the opportunity for so many years in the case of Sweden, for, uh, for as long as NATO has been around, and in the, case of Sweden, for, in the case of Finland, for about three decades, they've had the opportunity to join NATO, and they always decided against it, and uh, now it's happening.
1: So what, what changed? What, what's the reason for the dramatic change in attitude? Uh, obviously, the enthusiasm of President Biden and of most Americans is, is visible. What changed for the Finns and for the Swedes?
0: really was russia's invasion of of ukraine and we should remember that uh, it, it didn't it begin the 24th of February. It began uh, eight years ago, but began, the, the big push uh, obviously began on the 24th of February. And here is what what is so remarkable about that. I, I, I don't think the uh, Finnish or the Swedish government would have acted even on that basis, but the Finnish public reacted. And opinion polls started moving uh, dramatically, so Finnish support has always been. In the low 20s, Finnish support of joining NATO has always been in the low 20s. And all of a sudden, uh, after the Russian invasion, it shot up to 60 percent, then 70 percent, and then 76 percent. And the Finnish government, being a a democratically um, accountable government, said, well, if that's what the public thinks, then we should act. And because the Finns acted, the Swedish government said, well, we should probably do something, too. So it really is thanks to the Finnish public that this is happening.
1: In terms of uh, the objection by Turkey, they've put a hold on this uh, admission, which will at least slow down the process. It seemed like listening to President Biden this morning and to members of the administration, they seem fairly confident that they will be able to overcome Turkey's objection based on uh, what they allege is uh, Swedish support in particular for Uh, a group they consider to be terrorists, a pro-Kurdish group, the PKK. Uh, What does the uh, Biden administration know that makes them so confident of winning ultimate agreement by Turkey? Because it has to be unanimous, right?
0: Yes, it has to be unanimous, which is why... Uh, President Erdogan of Turkey thinks he has spotted an opportunity to get something from either the U.S. or Sweden, and Finland, or other NATO member states. But he's not one to let an opportunity for a little bit of haggling uh, go unused. Um, and uh, so he uh, has uh, he complains that Sweden uh, has given asylum to over the years, over many years, to Kurdish activists. And here is the twist on that story: the the government, uh, the current government, a minority government, has a um, a majority in Parliament of one. Uh, so it's a, a number of parties that support it without being in government. And um, the the one majority vote uh, is a Kurdish activist born in Iran who came to Sweden as a teenager. And she is now saying, uh, with you listening to Turkey, I'm not going to support you anymore, uh, the government. So the Swedish government has lost its one-vote majority. Uh, but what makes uh, the U.S. so confident they can handle it? I think they are used to Erdogan raising various... Uh, uh, various grievances at various points just to get something uh, in and get concessions and so the Americans are probably uh, they are used to it and they know that if if they give him something he will then uh, unblock the the, this opposition but uh, this is not new he has done it a number of times and they've always managed to negotiate it away
1: and uh, the today there was a column in Wall Street Journal by former senator Joe Lieberman Suggesting that uh, Erdogan should be expelled from NATO. I don't think there's really a a process for doing that. Is there? A, does uh, no one, no nation has ever been expelled from NATO? Have they?
0: No, and there is, as you say, um, you should have written the column because there is no uh, there is no process for expelling a, a member state from NATO, which makes uh, the the. Uh, accession is so important. It's so important to get the member states right because once you've got them inside the alliance, you can't kick them out, and that is the problem with Turkey. Of course, uh, I, people like me would would argue it's better to have Turkey inside the alliance than outside, as annoying as as Erdogan sometimes is. But uh, even if you wanted to expel uh, Turkey, there would be no way of doing so, uh, and and uh, that's the basis on which uh, the alliance functions, so that no country has to worry that oh. Maybe the other member states will team up against us and then kick us out, um, but it also is a, a values-based alliance, and uh, and it, it's, uh, it, it sort of operates on the basis of everybody cooperating, and when they don't cooperate well, there is no way of throwing them out, so uh, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on how you see it, we are stuck with Turkey.
1: And what about the threats by Vladimir Putin about hitting back at Finland and Sweden? I know he cut off some electricity supplies that Russian uh, companies had been providing to Finland, but they uh, they can get along without uh, Russian electricity.
0: So they they made plans, and the Finns are very good at at resilience planning. That is one of their specialties, and it's a special specialty that they bring into NATO. I think other countries could learn a whole lot from Finland on that uh, on that front. Uh, yes, the the fear was and has always been in Sweden, and Finland, that if they say they'll join, they want to join NATO, Russia will punish them mightily. So in fact, this is the best possible moment for them to submit their apl- op- applications. Because Russia is so tied up in Ukraine, it can't really devote any military, any significant military resources, uh, personnel, and equipment um, to uh, to any sort of aggression against Sweden or, and or Finland. So that makes it a, a, a really an incredibly convenient uh, time for them, a brief window opportunity for them to join NATO without having to worry about a massive military retaliation. And, in fact, uh, their accession is really the, the last step on a long sort of courtship or cohabitation with NATO, they are already very close to NATO. So it's a, it's a, it's a small step. And that's what President Putin uh, recognized in recent comments, when he sort of completely uh, uh, stepped back from previous uh, menacing comments and said, well, it's not really a big deal. So uh, it's a recognition of the fact that Russia can't do very much, and, and, and also of the fact that Finland and Sweden were really also in bed with NATO for many years, if, if one could put it that way. I don't
1: know if you know anything about this because I've been looking for updates. There was a Russian colonel, active duty, uh, who said on state TV that uh, the war was going badly, which I think is punishable by 15 years in prison. Uh, Do you know if he's been cracked down on yet by the Putin regime?
0: Uh, No, and I think we're all trying to find out because there was an extraordinary (laughs) performance on on that uh, Russian television show. I think we've all watched it and And uh, yeah, I mean he said so many so many uh, truths, and I think we were all just rubbing our eyes and, and wondering what what was going on because he called he he described the situation as it is, and I think that the 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 host or the the anchor woman didn't really know what what to make of it, and uh, well, she doesn't uh, want to the, go uh, to jail sorry. She
1: doesn't want to go to jail either. No,
0: <laughs> she doesn't. And I think we're all now watching obsessively to see, to find out what, what will happen to him, because that was an extraordinary act of courage.
1: Well, let, let us stay tuned. Uh, you can read some of the latest by Elizabeth Brahe. It's really indispensable at this moment. Very significant moment, uh, the day after the Norwegian holiday, actually two days after the Norwegian holiday of Saint-Tendon-Mai. Uh, thank you for joining us from American Enterprise Institute. And what about the strange foreign world of Pennsylvania? What is going on there? Uh, we'll get to that and to more coming up on The Medved Show. Michael Medved Show, the uh, election in Pennsylvania, the Republican primary for nominees for governor and senator, a governor there was a clear winner, though a lot of uh, uh, Republicans and certainly people from uh, the National Governors Association, the Republican Governors Association and Republican National Committee are not at all happy. That Doug uh, Mastriani uh, was actually won the governor's nomination in Pennsylvania and he won it easily, and he won it with, uh, as President Trump expressed it, President Trump's full and absolute and complete endorsement. Uh, but the Senate race remains undecided. Uh, the last number that I could gather was about one thousand eight hundred vote difference in favor of Dr. Oz over David McCormick. And uh, (laughs) the funny headline from the Washington Post, and okay, it's the Washington Post. Washington Post does not have a warm, admiring relationship for Donald J. Trump. But they write, uh, Donald Trump yesterday uh, moved to discredit the too-close-to-call Republican Senate primary in Pennsylvania, urging the candidate he endorsed, Dr. Mehmet Oz, to declare victory over opponent David McCormick before all the votes are counted in a contest with far-reaching implications. And there are still about 100,000 votes total. People, Some people say many more. It's a very high turnout election, which is a good sign for Republicans. Uh, it was a bigger increase in turnout for Republicans and actually a decrease in turnout for Democrats. Uh, they had spirited primaries on the Democratic side, though they were quite decisive. Uh, and in fact, Josh Shapiro, the candidate who's the Attorney General of Pennsylvania, he's a Democratic candidate for governor. And uh, But in the Senate race, they had a contested race, and yet they didn't draw the same kind of support the same kind of voting base that they got for Republicans to vote between Mehmet Oz and uh, uh, David uh, uh, McIntosh and uh, uh, David, uh, no, it's McCormick, uh, David McCormick and, and Kathy Barnett, who was sort of, it turns out, a flash in the pan. The Washington Post reports that um, that uh, state election officials continued to tally ballots, including thousands submitted by mail, with uh, Dr. Oz leading McCormick by one-tenth of a percentage point, well within the threshold for an automatic recount. Uh, There was no evidence of wrongdoing in the process, which is a normal part of every election. Trump's comments set off alarm among some Republicans and Democrats in the state, his words echoed his conduct after the 2020 election, but this time he was uh, lashing out in an intra-party competition. In 2020, he falsely claimed victory in Pennsylvania and sought to stop mail-in ballots from being recounted. His efforts were unsuccessful, and Joe Biden's victory was certified. Uh, it's very reminiscent of what we saw in 2020, said Al Schmidt, a Republican who served as a city commissioner in Philadelphia and whose family endured death threats after Trump uh, tweeted at him in 2020. Schmidt, who oversaw the city's elections, added, it's an indication that Trump is not confident that his candidate is going to win. When it looks like you're losing, you want to flip the board game over, you're clearly afraid of the outcome. Uh, Trump's interjection came as both campaigns braced for a potentially protracted and contentious process in a battleground state that both parties see as a key to their efforts to control the Senate next year. Uh, The winner of the Republican primary in Pennsylvania will take on uh, Lieutenant Governor John Fetterman, who won the Democratic nomination by a wide margin. Senator Pat Toomey is retiring at the end of his term, uh, triggering the open race. Thousands of mail-in ballots still need to be counted now Pennsylvania law mandates an automatic recount if a candidate's margin of victory is 0.5 percentage points or less and one of the uh, reasons they haven't counted these mail-in ballots is part of the peculiarities of a Pennsylvania election law which really should be changed is that uh, they won't allow any of the mail-in ballots to be counted Uh, until after Election Day, until the Election Day is over and they've already started and actually probably finished counting most of the same-day ballots. Now, what that creates is a situation, like, okay, who's winning the mail-in ballots so far? The reports from Pennsylvania seem to be that McCormick is winning most of the mail-in ballots, which, of course, uh, is something that Sounds familiar to President Trump. One of his comments was, here we go again, uh, suggesting that there is some kind of an attempt to steal the election from one Republican to another. And the, uh, the real question here is, who would have the easiest time of holding on to the Senate seat? Because, again, if, when you look at the closeness of the Senate race, and there are a couple of Senate races, where the Republicans had hoped to do very well and to recapture a uh, Senate seat. One of them is in Georgia, where you may remember that the former pastor, at Ebenezer Baptist Church, is now a United States Senator. He's one of those two Georgia Democrats who won after uh, the uh, controversy of uh, the November 3rd election and President Trump not accepting it. and. He, he went to Georgia to do a rally. It ended up not being a rally for David Perdue, who is now running for governor against the incumbent governor, uh, Brian Kemp. Um, it it uh, actually did not help in Georgia that the issue was the elections. And uh, they, they say in The Washington Post, they have a good piece by Aaron Blake, with six takeaways from primaries in Pennsylvania, North Carolina, Oregon, and more. The primaries so far have been a mixed bag for President Donald Trump's endorsements, writes Aaron Blake. He helped push Ohio Senate candidate J.D. Vance over the top, but Nebraska governor candidate Charles Herbster lost. And very politely says in parentheses, partly because of other issues. The other issues were nine different women Republicans with eyewitnesses who accused uh, the candidate Charles Herbster that President Trump had endorsed of assaulting them, which is not what you want to have happen in the middle of an election, even if you can hide it under the huge, uh, broad-brimmed Stetson cowboy hat that uh, Charlie Herbster liked to wear. Tuesday brought more reason to doubt Trump's status as a GOP kingmaker even as Trumpy candidates continue to win plenty. Trump notched one big win, but two high-profile losses with the biggest race yet to be decided. That's the race between Mehmet Oz and uh, 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 David uh, uh, McCormick. I don't know why I'm having trouble with his name today, but uh, the, the idea that David McCormick... Uh, is going to win enough of the mail-in votes to overtake Dr. Oz. And we should understand that a recount is not necessarily a, uh, a do-over. It's not the same thing. And that certainly isn't necessary any kind of do-over or complaint because the big win that Trump got yesterday was in the North Carolina Senate race where Representative Ted Budd's candidacy, was among Trump's earliest endorsements. Bud uh, overcame some early grumbles, writes Aaron Blake, about his campaign to defeat former Governor Pat McCrory. But it is a clear win for Trump. Uh, Trump endorsed State Senator Doug Mastriano, also won the nomination for Pennsylvania governor. But he was already well on track to victory before Trump backed him in recent days. So that one doesn't really count for much. Trump risked more in primaries for Pennsylvania Senate and Idaho governor and the last one fell through badly. Idaho governor Brad Little easily turned aside far-right lieutenant governor uh, Janice McAkin who never really caught on despite an early Trump endorsement. A little is now leading by more than 20 percentage points. And then there was the defeat and it was actually a close defeat. It was much closer than I had expected with uh, Madison Cawthorn, but he is conceded and uh, will be a one-term congressman. Another football player, 26 years old, Bo Hines, won with Trump's endorsement. It remains an open
0: question. What next in This Greatest Nation on God's Green Earth?